You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit Irreverent FM for more content from our friends. Everybody and welcome. My name is Janice Legata, and this is God Has Not Given, an evangelical podcast featuring me and my failing faith and conversations with my friends and family. And this week, I'm talking with a friend who has seen me from all kinds of angles, from inside Hillsong to out, from working together on theater projects to clowning around in the pandemic. She is a smart cookie and a pillar of support, the kind of friend I wish everyone had. But there is a limited supply, so I'm glad that I've got her. But lend us your ears, and for the next little while, I'll lend you my friend. Let's go. When I first saw you, I said, oh my, I said, oh my, my friend, my fellow clown, <laughs> Joanna. And Joanna, I know from Hillsong, from stage managing. Mm-hmm. I don't know the exact timeline. I don't know exactly when you joined the team, but I know you yeah. were one of one of our early. Yeah. Like it was me, me and Anna, and then a couple of the other girls. But you guys were definitely were top early, five. Early teammates was in there. And mm-hmm. then we were also in the same initial Connect group when Connect yeah. Groups first started. But that was purposeful. That was me coming to Harlem because it was your Connect group. Was it? Yeah. It was me joining stage managing because you were leading stage managing. You were the first black person I saw at Hillsong. Dang it. <laughs> I saw you on stage. So this was in the, when, we're, when they were doing the initial, like right after Connect Groups, they were doing the initial like six week previews or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you were stage managing. And I was like, okay, there's a black woman on stage. Let's go. <laughs> so that's that's how I know Joanna from yeah. tricking her into Hillsong. Look at that. Look at that. It's all you. I blame you. <laughs> and I'll take that. But then I also helped drag her out eventually. Um, through yeah. through stage managing, through connect groups, just through through being being in each other's circles. Yeah. Like Joanna has been just a consistent supporter of mine. She is, she's my manager currently. Um, you just, you just down for the cause and just up, up for whatever. Yeah. And so now we have, you know, if I'm out and about, if I'm hanging out with my friends, 90% chance it is my friend group, Clown Town. Clown Town, population six. Population six. <laughs> the six of us. And yeah, like I said, Joanna is, is one of my clowns. These are, these are the people who know have the best idea of where I'm at and what I'm doing and what kind of trouble I'm getting into. Mm-hmm. Let me do and it. Contributing to that trouble <laughs> <laughs> and supporting whatever you want to do. Let's go. That's it. These, these are my friends. So we met, we met at Hillsong. We are both now out of Hillsong and we'll get okay. into, into all that. But before we do, yeah. we met in church. Yeah. We're no longer in, churchy church or are we or are we so joanna give me three things that to you make some place or something a church so for me i thought about what i wanted this to represent was it church as i currently see it was it church as i want it to be was it church the idea of what it should be supposedly i don't know so i think i landed on what i want church to be 
or what I think it should be in its maybe original intent or what, yeah, what it should be. So community, a gathering, coming together with people that you love and support. Uh, I have communion, but not just breaking bread together, although I think that's part of it. I think the ritual, I've always loved the ritual of that in whatever form. And interesting enough, the very first church we used to go to was pretty gross, where it was one cup being passed around to many people, you know, but also a huge chunk of bread that people would just pinch a piece and pass it on. And at the end of the day, me and my brothers would go, you know, backstage to finish that piece of bread. But yeah, just the ritual of it felt sacred. It felt like community. We're doing something together, the shared experience, but also not just breaking a bread, but the exchange of intimate thoughts and feelings. Cause I looked up the definition of communion and that was one of it. And I love that. I love doing that. I love when I picture church, I picture friends, I picture a dinner party with friends and we're doing that. We're gathering in community we're communing, we're baking bread together, but we're also exchanging thoughts and feelings intimately, you know? Um, And I also, it's also communing with God, that feeling of being in the presence of God. Yeah. And the third one, I pulled a whole Hillsong pastoral message. I had to come up with a third C because I had something completely (laughs) different, but I was like, hey, here we go. So (laughs) the third C is caring. Church to me should be a place where I feel seen and cared for, a safe space. And so (laughs) one of the reasons I'm not currently going into a physical building called church is because I don't think that's what I'm getting out of church anymore. So, yeah. All right. So based on that, I would say, yeah, I do go to church. And my church is clown town yeah the other the other thing i had was a reflection of divinity because what i meant was people who reflected that right so mm-hmm. clown town i i get what i get from clown town is this overwhelming sense of being cared for and seen you know one of the things i went through in 2019 in separating from church was just feeling like nobody cared for me nobody was checking in on me and what would happen if I was in trouble? Like who would, who would be looking after me, you know? And I feel like I get that from clown town. And so, yeah, that's my, yeah, that's my church right now. It's our church. All right. (laughs) So that's, that's church. That's currently, Mm. but how did we get here? Joanna, what, what's your, what's your faith story? Oof, my faith story. So going way back. So I was raised with Christian parents, like really committed to their church community in Jamaica. So then by default, we were, and it was great for what it was. Um, But there was always something rebellious or something that just didn't sit right with me. Like, as I said, it's very... To the point where, you know, my parents switched churches, but within the same denomination, we, we had a small denomination called, we went to a small denomination called Brethren, 
not a lot of people have heard of this. You're either very white and in the UK, or you have this whole like Caribbean people who also do this religion. So it's very, it's very random. But again, you know, women don't speak in church, women, you know, growing up, I had to wear a skirt to church because women don't dress in men's clothing, even though women have been wearing pants for a very long time, but that didn't seem to matter. Um, so when I got to high school, my parents switched churches. I wanted to stay in the church I was going to Sunday school at because it seemed a bit more freeing for women, you know? And there was more expression, like music expression even that wasn't at my parents' previous church. It was all hymns and solemnness and not like a freer form of worship. And so that's kind of what I was looking for. So I never quite got that in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. So when I got to the US and I went to college and I got introduced to Christian, uh, into Varsity Christian Fellowship and we were singing, actually in Jamaica too, I went to a summer camp that also had like, um, actually some Hillsong songs that were singing, but just, you know, contemporary Christian music. I was pretty excited by that. And so I think that's what attracted me to the evangelical church, this idea that it felt more freeing. And also it felt that, at least on the surface, if you're not looking too closely, that the pastors were expressing vulnerabilities hmm. that's, that comes into play in their style. And it just felt so freeing. Like I had none of that at my church in Jamaica, just it, 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 people in charge, elders were, it just felt so you were unreachable. Like you did no wrong. There was no sense of expressing who you are as a person. And so I, it just, they were always intimidating to me and not approachable. Right. So it's not like I was, I would ever tell people what I was going through, whether doubts or anything, because, you know, we're all perfect. So it just felt like my imperfections weren't meant to be shared. So I thought evangelicalism was the opposite of that. Like, let's get vulnerable. What are we struggling with? Let me share this from the platform. And so people think, oh, you're just like me, you know? That's very attractive, very, very attractive. So I can see why it was pretty popular. Um, Hillsong specifically for me, came at a time in New York where it just felt like it reflected what I looked like on the outside, like people who, you know, just regular folk, but also it felt very diverse. There was a good number of people from different, you know, ethnic groups and um, a lot of black people. Um, and so I was like, this is great. This is the promise. This is, we're gonna do big things here, right? <laughs> but to me, the disconnect now, like looking back, you can have that beautiful diversity, but not have it actually empower people, right? If it's not reflected in the power of the church and the people who are this, this, the decision makers, then it's, it's nothing, right? It's just a facade. And the same with the worship. Um, the team can look 
diverse and all of that. But if there's no power behind that, if there isn't power to change what was happening, then it was empty. It was nothing. And that it took me years to get to that point, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, so you said, you know, you came in and it's like, oh, people like me, normal, you know, normal people. But you're not normal. <laughs> Joanna, you're like a full professional. You're a lawyer. Like, you're a real person. <laughs> so, like, how? Like, you're on my team. I'm a dum-dum. Oh, leading this, this state managing no, team. No, I'm not like, taking that. Bossing a lawyer around? What? And Hillsong up is down. <laughs> How were you under all these, and not not just me? Okay, I'm I'm not I'm not a complete dumb dumb like yeah, I'm yeah. you know, but the people I was writing sermons for these basic white idiots, and they are running this running space. The show. Yeah. How? How, Joanna? So I've thought about this, and I think part of it is that structure of team, right? So you're leading the stage managing team and you and the, some, the people who came after that, you all were dum-dums. And you're warm, kind, caring people. That team, like our team didn't really have the turn. We had the turnover and that people wanted to move on to worship. Like, sure. Okay. They thought this was a feeding ground to like the worship team or whatever. But in terms of like people who actually cared for you, like you guys were creating that space. And it was fun. It was like a fun group of people. Like you personally recruited people for the team. And that reflected and that reflected you as like a person who can gather people who are not weird, not looking, not power tripping, not, you know what I mean? Like we did some, when I thought about it, like we were like, people treated us horribly. Oh yeah. Some people, you know? And just like we were just servants, you know? I don't know what it was. It's so interesting to think about, but I somehow that worked for me at the time. Like what it what, what it meant for me was something completely different from what I was living in my regular regular life. You know, it was adjacent to creativity, which you know I love. I love working amongst creatives until I find the expression for my own. You know, but it's I've always been drawn to that been drawn to rehearsals you know even in Jamaica like choir rehearsals I can't sing but I'm gonna come to the rehearsals and I you know so I've always been attracted to creative and so this was for me a way to support that and also work and with awesome people and also doing something that's completely and and reaching different skill sets that I didn't have on the day-to-day basis it was more physical I was doing a lot more running around and not just sitting in front of a computer. Yeah. But I think the whole team thing, so whatever team I went to, and it also shows that when I went to a team where I didn't feel that, then I was like, okay, I'm done with this whole thing, you know, but I stayed in a a long time. And and during that time, I also left the U S for close to a year. So I got, I did get a break from it, you know, I think, which helped that's when I then came back, um, I also joined a team called Shine and helped to lead it, mm-hmm. where it was all about women's empowerment, which is what I was doing um, at the time, doing consultancy work with UN Women. So 
that also felt like, yeah, this is, this is the pathway. Like, this is amazing. You get to do in church what you do in real life, you know? So all those things, what I was getting out of church wasn't from the platform and wasn't from these men, you know? And so, and, and the leaders I had in shine, like the person who was leading all life groups at the time was a black woman, you know? So you were, you know, stage managing leader. And then all the subsequent leaders after that, there were mostly all people of color. So it never felt that I was directly serving under people I thought were, uh, yeah. Which is great. Like, I don't, I don't know when it's switched for me. Like, I don't, I don't remember when I'm consciously became aware that like I was a buffer. Like I know towards the end, with my connect group i was like oh well i'm i haven't been to church in a while and i could leave hillsong tomorrow but my connect group like mm-hmm. i have to stay and you know make sure they're being treated right you know right yeah you know being this middleman so like towards the end i was definitely conscious of it in the beginning i don't think i was huh. and i don't know like that's that's honestly how hillsong continues to thrive i'm like yeah. it's not it's all the middle people, like the middle people who are going to keep you there or right. the middle people who, or who are going to drive gonna, you out. Exactly, exactly that. Because then I looked at other teams who didn't have what we have and there was such a high turnover. Yeah. But the thing is, people would leave quietly. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't even know that people have left. And so you never heard about why and what was going on. Well, for me, I also am a bit of an ostrich. <laughs> unless you point stuff out to me or unless I see it directly, I'm not sometimes picking up on those cues. I'm very, like, I'm smart in terms of emotional intelligence, but if I'm on my track over here, I'm not looking over here and being like, oh, what's going on? So that's one of the reasons why, yeah. So that makes sense to me that once you were covered, more or less, when, once you had somebody who was looking out for you, and so, and, and in that sense, that was community, right? So it was community, but on the team level. And then the minute you get tapped to do something else where your leaders aren't that great, then you're like, what is going on? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we're all here in the middle ground. We're all, we're all the middle people. Yeah. People do leave quietly. Even when I left, Mm -hmm. it was as quiet as it could have been. Mm -hmm. And I remember like having, having my exit interview, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not taking anybody. I'm not gonna, you know, and I wasn't. I'm not yeah. trying to take anybody. I'm not really telling anybody, you know. You signed a non-compete. <laughs> <laughs> they wish I signed something at this point, I'm sure. But but I in my own, just in my own soul. I was like, yeah, yeah I'm not it's between me and me and God, and that's what I got to do. Yeah. But I I don't I don't want to be responsible for you know mm. what happens to anybody else. Right. And maybe maybe it could get better. Maybe it's just right. you know, not for me. And I think that's why we we don't say anything in even voicing the doubts, et cetera. Like I didn't say anything to people for that reason. You know, and I remember people coming up and would say, oh, this is great, blah, blah, blah. And me just in my head, just being like, oh, I don't know. But not saying it, because I was like, maybe it's just me. Like, you know, people, if you're having a great time and this is working for you, then who am I to say X, Y, Z, you know? So what took me out eventually was being a black woman Mm. and just, realizing for myself like oh i'm never wherever i'm at here yeah i'm never gonna go beyond like this is it like i have 
I've gone as far as I can. Yeah. And like, it's not even about, about position, mm -hmm. about like in this, in the structure, I'm like within, within myself, mm -hmm. like this place is, I can only think of myself in a certain way to a certain level mm -hmm. as a woman, as a black person. So <laughs> as a fellow woman, fellow black person, when did, like, what did you initially think of Hillsong as a woman? Yeah, I think, so I thought it was great. That's what it looked like on the surface, right? So here we are, you know, the, the way Hillsong structures things by saying co-lead pastors, you know? Co-lead to you, to me, sounds like of equal value, of equal authority, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what it appeared to. And I was like, this is great. Like the women are up there leading as well, right? Until you really examine it and you realize that's not true. And Pastor Laura was sort of MIA. But I would just always think, oh, you know, she, maybe she's choosing to raise her kids, which is, you know, a value in and of itself too, you know? Maybe she's off doing X, Y, Z, whatever. Who, you know, there are other people leading X, Y, Z, you know? But our so-called women's ministry, like it was like MIA for a really long time until these other women sort of picked up the mantle and were running it, right? So there is that. But then in hindsight, I think I can count the occasions where women actually preach from that platform. Oh yeah. It was not a lot at all. And when it was, it was out like, you know, Christine Kane and Priscilla Shire. Shire. Yeah. And yeah. And Bobby when she was coming yeah. through for her conference. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It was not women in the church. I mean, now was started to preach more, but we, that shouldn't be the case for something that if you're saying, you know, co-leads and like women are just as valuable, et cetera, then where are the women? Show me the women, you know? I also <laughs> remember. But I have never heard anybody call Laura Pastor Laura. No, it's so true. That's so true at all. This was the first time when you said, I'm like, who? Oh, <laughs> you're like, who's that? PL? Wait, what? <laughs> uh, I also remember pitching to one of the women pastors. I was just like, there's so many women behind the scenes running the show. Mm-hmm why not do a feature on them? Like we do all these videos featuring blah, blah, blah. Like put together the woman. You have this person doing this thing. You have this person who's running this ministry, pastoral care, whatever. There's so many women behind the scenes. You're like, where, like just put them together and show that, right? And this was a woman I was talking to and she got kind of defensive or I can't describe to you what it was, but she was like making excuse. Well, you know, I don't really run that. That's not really my, and I'll, I was so confused. What? How is this like not the thing that we want to do? Or you didn't even pitch it. So how are we already saying no and finding excuses not to do it? I was like, I just think women would be more, you know, People want to see themselves on screen. Like people want to know this. I part of the what kept me going and encouraged me was because of that there were all these women running stuff in the back. But you never saw that. You never heard about that. So one of the things I think of is women being exploited at Hillsong because there were some remarkable women running things, and a lot of them were black women. Yep. And a lot of our creative ideas and 
efficiency and proficiency at things like holding it all together, but you would never know that. Mm-mm. And so I think pastors recognize or power in the sense that, or, or presence or proficiency or value, but that's as far as it went. We want you to do this. We we're using you to do this, mm-hmm. but we're never going to actually put power behind it. We're never going to give you a seat at the table, like where the power actually exists. Like that's not going to happen, but thank you for keeping everything else together. All these take and for unpaid, you know, you're not getting paid, but you're spending all of these hours doing this thing. Thank you. Not even a thank you. I should say there wasn't even a thank you. No, it was like, you get to do this. Yes. Yes. Congratulations. Good for you. Aren't you so happy? Aren't you honored? We say that. We said that. You get to do this. Oh my God, I'm so excited. (laughs) So that's, that's as a woman. Mm -hmm. What, what did Hillsong look like as a black person? Oof, man. Oh, I just felt so let's, let's start with the black meeting. (laughs) (laughs) What I thought I was getting out of that was hope. So, okay, let's go back. Philando Castillo had just been murdered and he was a second black man that week that had gotten murdered. And I remember thinking, I'm worried about my friends. This is a lot. And I just wanted us to get together. I just wanted to check in with people. I feel like my job was doing that. A company was doing that. Mm-hmm. My church certainly wasn't doing that. So I was like, I need to check in on my friends. So we talked about it, you and I, I think, and we gathered people together. We just started putting people on We just like called people, like we're yeah. send it out. We're doing this thing. It was at my building. We had snacks and we just started talking. And sure enough, a lot of the focus turned to church and how we felt about church and being black at Hillsong. And then it all came out. (laughs) All of the things we were feeling that we probably never voiced to each other before, like we talked about it. And also what happened at the same time was Pastor Carl had sent out something that he was going to be talking to Opal Tometi. Oh, yeah. And we were just like, nope, what are you doing? Like, this is not it. You, Pastor Carr, should not be leading something like this, right? So I remember at the end of the night, we were just like, let's write Pastor Carl an email and say, say how we feel, what we're feeling, and ask him not to do this. And I remember like we went back and forth because you were like corresponding. And I just remember you saying like some of his responses were ridiculous, like just defensive and just like, don't tell me what to do, blah, blah, blah. <sighs> Eventually, anyway, so he did do the thing with Oplatsumani, but then we, we ended up having a meeting with him. Again, bunch of black people. And what I thought about that meeting was, oh my God, There are so many brilliant people here. Just the way things were articulated, and not just articulated, but people knew what they were talking about. There were people who had studied this and who were working in it in their so-called real lives. But there are also people who 
you know, you wouldn't expect it to come from that necessarily that person, but like, there's so many people that were knowledgeable and there's so many people that were sharing what we were, we were all sharing what we were going through as black people at Hillsong, but we were also talking about the historical context and why there need to be intentional change at church instead of this whole, oh, you know, we're just waiting to see if somebody comes along that, you know, that we can raise up, blah, blah, blah. you know, all the BS that we were hearing beforehand. Like it, the reason why it had to be intentional is because what was done to black people was intentional. Exactly. And you needed like an intentional solution in response to it. But I just remember thinking, this is such a, like, who cannot listen to this and just get it, right? And we thought that message had gotten through. I remember as a Black woman, I said this to Pastor Carl in that meeting, as a Black woman at Hillsong, I have felt uncared for. And he came up to me afterwards, like in a different context, and said, you know, I still remember you saying that to me and that he was using that and like going forward, like it had impacted him and it was changing the way he was like pastoring. So I left that meeting thinking there was hope, thinking big thing, big picture things, like here is an opportunity for the church to start correcting wrongs because the church was very instrumental in the oppression of black people, you know? And as you know, I didn't list, finish listening to all of, um, your podcast with LA, but just like the historical context of literally changing the whole world, the church was yeah. a huge part of that. Yep. And I was like, here is where I felt like we were standing at a crossroads and it was like, we could be the leaders in effecting change. And Hillsong as this like influential church was at the verge of like, you know, being at the forefront of helping to make that change right so that's what felt hopeful to me like we're all here in this moment all from different backgrounds and you know to make this impact to be able to come together and to tell our stories and it took a lot of us it was a lot of emotional uh labor you know it was a lot of us being so vulnerable with all these like white people <laughs> these Powerful. men men yeah. and it wasn't because yeah. it, it was just all like men right yeah 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 <laughs> no pastor laura there no um and then thinking <laughs> things were changing only to realize that it wasn't it was all a lie i just remember feeling so disillusioned but i also feel like it happened gradually like other things were happening so the cynical side of myself was like, we lost that opportunity. Like this, we were given an opportunity, like here, do you want to take this mantle up? And we didn't, we didn't take it up. I'm looking around, like not just at Hillsong, but all of these churches, it's like they went in the opposite direction. Instead of advocating for truly vulnerable people and for true change, it's like they double down yeah. and you know, that happened at the same time around, you know, because I think that was in 2016, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. It was. What was it? Was it I, September? I was, I thought it was summer. I thought it was over the summer. No, I think it was. Yeah. 
I think it was, I think it was in September because I okay. think it was, yeah, it was just after the summer. Right. Um, because I remember, <laughs> it's funny the things I remember and the things I'm like, have I forgotten? Did I yeah. block it out? Like, I don't, I don't know. I remember, yeah, with Philando Castile, I'm pretty sure that was one of the weeks where I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to church because I don't know what's, mm. what's going to be said. Um, and Carl, Carl called me. Mm-hmm on that one but oh, how are you is there anything you know we can do and i remember being like no i mean like it's, it's nice that you called me mm-hmm. but like your your church is garbage like you're not don't mm. no like yeah we don't need your lip service i mean the most you can do don't let these other dummies handle it don't let john tremini say something don't let Josh. they're gonna say the wrong thing mm. like the most you can do is make sure if something's going to be said, you say it. Cause like they can't, yeah, they can't handle it. Um, and then I remember with the, with the meeting, like I forgot, <laughs> I forgot all about, you know, the controversy, what he was going to do. And we were like, please don't do that. Forgot about that. Blocked um, it out. <laughs> blocked it out. Too many, too many, just too many messes. Um, but I remember setting up, yeah, basically pulling my list mm-hmm. of who's coming to this, who's coming to this black people meeting. Yeah, and I remember walking in there, and I like I didn't know it was going to be this way, but I was like, oh, okay, I have my team, and he has his, mm. because yeah, he has his blacks here. Like, yeah, I'm not calling on these people. These, yeah, these black men, they're not on my list. You're like, like you were on my list. So I was like, oh, okay, so he pulled his his people too. And I remember like at the beginning of that meeting, just being like, oh, I hope, I hope people say stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, because this is, this is such an intimidating, just arena. Yeah. You got all these white men and then he's, blo- he's brought his black men mm-hmm. and it's like, we're here and we're like, okay, how is this going to go? Right. Because his guys are saying, oh, I mean, it's not that bad. I'm, you know, I'm able to rise here. It's, yeah. it's fine. It's yeah. fine. And articulated so, that in the meeting. Yeah. Like nothing to see here. Yeah. I don't know what all the fuss is about. Like what? Right. So I was so glad when, yeah, when we just started talking and people were just being honest and yeah. then it was just coming out and it was like, okay, okay. We're being real. This is we're real. We're being real. Yeah. And then there was, yeah, like a civil rights attorney and he, when he started speaking Oof. and when he was just breaking it down. Oh my gosh. And just like, like, I believe, I believe Carl, Carl heard him. Yeah. And Carl knew what the right thing was in that moment. Yeah. And I think maybe he really, he wanted to do it, but then he just didn't because it was the whole intentional, you know, versus organic conversation. Well, can't we just, (laughs) wouldn't, wouldn't that be tokenizing people if we just start putting black people up there like that, you know, Mm -hmm. it has to be organic. Like, and when he was like, no, free and right. Like that was intentional. So the opposite, like it has to be intentional. Yeah. And I remember like, no, I saw, I saw the light bulb. I saw it happen. Yeah. Like I know it happened. And then, you know, for the next two, three weeks, Mm -hmm. yeah. Black people on the platform. Y'all can do the, do the offering messages, you know, and then (laughs) just walked it right on back. That was it. That was it. It's hard work. Yeah, it's it's super hard. And then people who 
think of themselves as allies, like when they realize the work is hard and they actually have to put, they have to put more than they wanted to or more than they expected to in the fight as well. There's like, uh, I just, let me just go back to being over here. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's not even as much as what you have to put into the fight Mm -hmm. is what you got to take out of it. Mm. And it's like you, some of y'all need to, y'all are going to have to sit down. Yeah. Like we can't, (laughs) y'all want to keep adding seats to the table and just like adding these extensions. And so all it's doing is pushing us to like the the kids part of the table. Yeah. It's like the raggedy chairs and, you know. That's such a good analogy. This isn't even, these are crates. Like what? (laughs) You just stack crates and we can sit here. Like that's not. (laughs) Is it the same milk crates that people are falling over it's in? The, it is the very milk crates. <laughs> it's like, no, there are only, there are only a certain amount of seats at this yeah. table. In order for you to have a seat at the table, we're going to dilute the table. And therefore right. that seat that once was powerful, you're not going to have that power. Right. That's the only way we're going to include you. That's the only way. Yeah. And so no, thank you. Yeah. And for me, that was, I mean, I was already, it was our, the, the end had already begun. Like yeah. I was so for, I was like, oh well, maybe it's the last hurrah. Maybe, maybe it's like the last last chance. And it's like, oh no, this is never this mm. is never going to change. And this is actually unhealthy for me because I already have to fight these fights in the world. Yeah. So to have to do it here too, right. just on every front, it's too much. That's, that's too much. Mm. That's too much. And what it says about god like it's actually dangerous like if you are saying no like we're making we're not making these decisions mm-hmm. the people we're empowering that's who that's who god chooses mm. it's not us right. <laughs> we just i just do what god we're says. just listening to god yeah right that voice of god that tells me that none of these black people are good enough yeah yeah, yeah. he just happens to choose the same kind of white man over and over again like that's just yeah it's just God's way, like. Oof. But also, what that what that's doing to you psychologically on a subconscious level, I didn't realize what that was doing to me. You know, I just thought I was going with the flow. I was getting something over here. I was leading teams, and I was, you know, and but sitting under that for so many years, like I came out feeling almost silenced i not the same person and i don't know i mean it's part and parcel of everything but it was also like the election and just i didn't grow up in the u.s and it doesn't matter how much people try and tell you about the u.s mm-hmm. like even experiencing it it's just this country is so unique in that way i had no idea about race relations in the u.s even though I'd been living here for like, now it's like been 20 years or whatever. Like you don't know. And then you start experiencing it. I, and at church that I thought was a safe space, all these people that you served with, you thought were, you were good friends with supporting this maniac just to supporting white supremacy, yeah, supporting race, racism and racist viewpoints and statements. Like, how is it that the very first thing that came out of this man's mouth was about like, was completely bullshit racist and people still went ahead and voted for him. I thought you saw me. I thought you knew me. I thought like, how can you do this to your so-called black friends? Yeah. Oof. 
And then the fallout from that, you know, look at all the minority groups in the U.S. that are like suffering now, you know, because once you once you start supporting racism, you know, eventually they're going to come for you. And that's it. I mean, in this whole <laughs> this whole cut, like everything, everything that's wrong with this country. Like you, you trace it back. You're like, oh, it was racism. Yeah. You're like, oh, why don't we have, why don't we have health insurance? Yeah. Why? Oh, because they don't want black people. They don't want to have to give it to black people. So let's attach it to jobs because they ain't gonna have jobs. So. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Now, why are our schools so bad? Right. Like. Just, yeah. Just everything. It's like, oh, you do all this to, to spite us, mm -hmm. and it works. And yeah. Spiting yourself at the same time. But yeah. it doesn't seem to matter. Even when you've unearthed the truth and you were like, here it is. Here's the real reason why people don't care. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing it right now with the whole abortion ban. Mm -hmm. And to be like, when you realize, oh, that only became a Christian issue mm -hmm. because of segregation. Like they wanted to, they were mad they couldn't segregate schools anymore. Right. So let's find a, <laughs> so find a reason to get back in power. Let's rally behind this. Yeah. I mean, white men will literally hurt anybody, everybody else to not have to give up some of their power. Yeah. So I was like, black people, yeah, you guys can get it easy. White women, sorry, you gotta go too. Like, poor whites, sorry. You definitely gonna lose out. You know, y'all just have to take the hit so we can keep this table. Yeah. It's so sad to see, like I said, to see it happen in the church, because it's, yeah. it's one thing, oh, okay, yeah, I accept, I know what society is gonna yeah. give me. But for Christianity right. to be doing the same thing, like that, that is ultimately you know, what took me out. I'm like, that's, that's what deconstructed me. Yeah. It's just yeah. having to be like, oh, I don't, I can't reconcile God right. with this. Yes. So if I can only keep one, I'm going to have to try to hang on to God by getting out of here. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Same, similar. I remember just being so mistrustful, just looking around. And, like at one point, just looking around being like, did you vote for Trump? Did you do this to me? Like, who are you? I don't know you. Just being like, I don't know any of these people. And just being like, looking at people on stage, knowing they were like, in, in on Instagram, like celebrating this BS. I was just like the the duality of it just really drove me nuts, you know, and also just like struggling in life personally, like with everything, like the heaviness of that. And you usually get, or you're supposed to get relief from church. You're supposed it's supposed to be the safe space for you, and not finding it there, like it really messes you up. And then I was just like, what else? And then, you know, just learning more. This whole period of learning all this historical facts about the U.S. I mean, I went to, I learned some of this in law school, yes, because, and that to me was like my first eye-opening, like, oh my God, like you, they're really laws that are just straight up racist on purpose, you know? And hearing about all the people, innocent people that die because the way or justice system works and even when there's exonerating evidence it's like well you know we've exhausted you've exhausted all your options therefore we're still going to kill you like what yeah Ooh. yeah just learning all of that like 
if people really know how American justice system works, like the real deal, it's like mind blowing how insane it is. But yeah, so deconstructing, I, I, I just wanted a break. I think that's where I am. I was like, you know, church in Jamaica, not my thing. This church experience didn't work out either. I just, I think I need a break from church. But for me also, it was this discussion around trauma mm-hmm. and realizing, so I'll, just putting all the pieces together, right? So these people, these, this pastoral philosophy, like they're not trained to deal with people's trauma. Okay. But we encourage people to share their vulnerabilities but then we don't know how to deal with it. So then we're like causing more harm. Yeah. And people aren't trained. They're not even trained in actual counseling at the, right. at the minimum, right? Which is what you'd think pastors would be in. And we're, Hillsong specifically is relying on volunteers to deal with these really heavy issues that people are struggling with. What? Yeah. That's so unhealthy. So even if me, even with all my best intentions, like I'm probably causing harm just because I don't know how to deal with stuff like this, you know? So for me, church is inherently harmful. So unless I find a church that's intentionally harm reducing and empowering vulnerable people and all of these things, like I just don't think it's a healthy space and I just refuse to support it. Just like how you, you know, I'm saying that to you, like people have said to me or I've heard people say, oh, if you're in this church, then I know we're good. Like it's a good place because you're here. I just don't want to represent that. Mm, I don't want people to say, oh, we're good. Or I know this person, I trust this person. And then be leading people astray, you know, because as we're suffering and as we're not articulating or doubts, et cetera. Like people are looking at you like, oh, well then you co-sign, you know? Yeah, that, that's what I did. Yeah. And you know, in the beginning you want that, Like you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. See me here. Right. Also the more of us, the better it is. And I mean, so they had, they had that lead for a long time. Cause yeah, first, cause we were there. And so we're just like drawing people mm-hmm. and now it's like, I feel, I still feel bad because in, in trying to make it better, mm-hmm. you know, taught them how to game the system in some ways. So it's like, oh, there's always going to be this fresh batch of black people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've rotated out, but then there's other people and they're like, oh, okay. I see that one. So then it's like, by the time the people on the platform get burned out, there's a new crop yeah. for the platform. So it's like, people just, just keep coming. Right. Yeah. And then when I first left, I was like, well, I don't want to, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I think this is harmful and it doesn't have to be this way, Mm -hmm. but you know, when you're in Hillsong, it is all encompassing and you really, are there other churches? I don't know. I think, I think there are, but who can say for sure? And so it was like, (laughs) then you get out and then you have to like detox, you know? So Mm -hmm. now, now I would have no problem looking at a black person in Hillsong Mm -hmm. and be like, this is not good for you. Yeah. Like this, this place is harmful. 
it does not care about you. No. It's not going to change. Yeah. It is not going to change. Right. And, and even if you are the, this is what I had to realize. So even if you are the one privileged black person that they care about, then it's just one privileged black person that they care about. Right. You know what I mean? And you're contributing to other people who look at you saying, hey, you're okay. I'll be okay too. No, that's, that's not the case. And therefore that person is going to get harmed. Right. And it's like, it takes so much, so much internal work. So I mean, I had to, yeah. I had to be honest with myself and be like, okay, yeah, I'm being treated better than some other people are. Yeah. I'm, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I should be based mm-hmm. on what I'm doing and my skills, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I mean, I don't have it bad here. Right. And so like, I had to deal with what, what is it in me that, that likes this? And, mm. you know, yeah. likes being the favorite child, right. the token. It's like, okay, yeah, I am, I am benefiting from this mm-hmm. in some ways. And there is something in me that, that likes that. Yeah. And also, you know, we were talking about before, like just the toxicity of just being a black person in America, just the white supremacy, the internalized white supremacy mm-hmm. we have already yeah. that we have to deal with. So it's like first level is like getting past, oh wait, no, I'm not an exception. Mm-hmm. I'm not special. I'm not better than other Girl. black people here. Yeah. I'm not better. I'm not different. I'm I'm black and black people we're all we're all good. Like yeah. it's not I think all those all those things that separate us all the internalized white supremacy yeah you know for me it's like oh i'm educated i went to some of the best schools blah 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 actually also going even further back than that i am west indian so when i think about the like american media that you consume and everything points to black people being not good everything and that's sold to us and sold to the world in movies, in books, everything, right? So we're consuming this media that tells us that Black Americans are bad. As a Black person, you think it that way too. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you come to the U.S. and you're just like, oh, I'm, but I'm not them though. I'm exceptional. Like I did good in school and so I get to be here, blah, blah, blah. And then I start going to school with brilliant African Americans. And you're just like, wait, but I thought, but you said wait, what? It's all such bullshit. I remember like coming to that realization, but we're already divided, right? And then you have schools accepting a lot of Africans, West Indians, like non-Americans to be like, oh, but you know, but we have the diversity, but you're not doing it for the people who actually need that recompense, you know? Right. And then that, that causes tensions in schools. I remember at law school people being like yeah but a majority of the black people here or a lot of the percentage of the black people here aren't american you know and so it's a lot there's a lot happening and then a lot of so so my point is that even black people have to deconstruct and decolonize decolonize. yeah i feel like one can't one can't happen without the other Hmm. like i don't know like i don't you can't fully as a black person, you cannot fully deconstruct without decolonizing. I don't think like you're going to get to a certain point because especially Christianity, especially in black culture, it's so ingrained. Yeah. Anyway, like you, you have to go to church. Like you just have to, mm-hmm. 
you have to be a Christian. Like you have to believe in Jesus. Like you just have to. Yeah. You might get tired of Hillsong and then you're gonna leave and you're gonna find the next toxic place. Yeah. It's like, no, I have to, I have to be somewhere. And the internalized white supremacy, you already subconsciously believe you're less than anyway. Mm -hmm. And the Christianity has that extra layer of <laughs> your garbage anyway. Yeah. So it's like there's all this extra fight you have to do. Yeah. Just to get to a place to be like, oh no, I actually I think I deserve better than this. I think I deserve to be treated better yeah. than this. Yeah. And and, and to be art and to be able to articulate that out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody it's not surprising me to me to see black people in the deconstructing space. It's like black atheists and yeah, a lot of agnostics yeah. getting rid of like white male God. Yeah. Like, yeah, none of this none of this was for me. Yeah. And none of this is good for me. I mean, black people are amazing anyway. I'm like, we are, we are miracles to still be here, mm -hmm. to be as, as funny as we are, as just yes. creative, just, just wonderful people. Just wonderful people. Just to be here in general. But then to be on this side of it as black women, I love black women. I love being a black woman. Mm -hmm. I think we are amazing. Yeah. And I couldn't have said that 10 years ago. Mm. Yeah, I didn't get it. You know, like for me, I would encounter black women who were already exploring these things 10, 15, 20 years ago. And I was like, that's great. Good for you. But I just was <laughs> not there. I didn't get it. You know, I'm thinking of this one person particularly who I went to law school with and who I worked with and who was always this amazing, brilliant person and always interested in gathering black people and, you know, safe spaces, et cetera. And I just didn't get it. Oh yeah. So, and what you're saying is, and so for me, part of, again, so I'm at a pause right now in terms of deconstruction. I'm at probably the same space you saw me at two years ago, Janice. It's funny because I'm, I'm looking at your evolution, but for me, I just wanted a break. We're on a break. I'm still on a break. I don't know, like the things that I promised myself I would do, I haven't done. Like I wanted to like strip down my theology and trying to like, what is, what is, what is the purest essence of what I believe and what has been layered on with white supremacy yeah. and, and patriarchy, you know? So I've, I've, I was interested in looking at black women who are, you know, just have this completely different theology and articulation of faith and how are, how are they able to hold on to their faith? Like, what are they looking at? And just, you know, thinking like just reading stuff and there, you know, there's a couple of curriculums out there. I remember somebody was doing like a Beyonce liturgy and all these things that exist out there like yeah. what does that look like what are they saying is it still christian do i you know what do i believe does that make sense to me so i haven't done that yet but i'm, I'm interested in doing that the beautiful thing is it's out there and yeah. it will always be out there so whenever whenever you're ready it'll be there yeah um and there's no there's no rush mm -mm. to any of this i mean for me i'm just like i just want to get just get people out of Hillsong. Mm. But even even that I'm hesitant about because like the toxicity will still live in you. So I can burn Hillsong down tomorrow and you will just go to Elevation or mm. go to, you know, Hunter. Like you'll just go right. to this. Like if you haven't done the work internally. Right. You'll just go to go yeah. to the next thing. 
so yeah, so I'm like, I'm just trying to just say enough things so that maybe something, something will something connect sticks. with you and will at least, at least make you, make you pause, mm-hmm. make you say, Thanks. okay, just, just, just let me, let me just think about that. And I think everybody, because I don't, I think the Christianity we've been given, I don't think it's, I don't think it's real. I don't think it's what it's supposed to be. So I mm-hmm. think there is, there's just automatically a chink. Mm-hmm. in everybody's armor like there is there is a way in and i don't know yeah. we never know what that is for somebody else right there is somewhere where the logic just has yeah. to break down for you like but, and just... also yeah i mean so what i what i found for myself was there's always been nigglings about stuff but you're taught to just have faith to not entertain these doubts really even it's on the one hand people are saying yeah you're allowed to you're supposed to like take all this stuff in and then you'll realize that you know god is real etc all the things that they tell you but that's not actually true it's not encouraged they say it's encouraged but it's not and also when you come to people who are supposed to be pastors with doubts and whatever like they don't know how to deal with it and so they shut you down yeah so then it's not entertaining you know or you're also taking advice from these same people, like these same people upholding white supremacy, et cetera. So just look into stuff yourself, like, <laughs> like examine something in, from all directions, all sides, like express your doubts. Don't be afraid to just be like, wait, that, that you know what? That never made sense to me, but now, you know, just like articulate it. Yeah. That's what I, that's the, that's the freedom that I'm having just to have an open mind. Like there's certain things that I'm just like, I've had supernatural experiences. I'm holding on to that as my evidence that God is real. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's all I have, <laughs> you know? Like that's the truth that I'm holding on to, but then what else? What else is, what else was made up? What else was articulate that became, you know, part of the orthodoxy that was just some man being like, I want it to be this way and therefore it is, you know, <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's, that's what we need to get to. Honestly, I think, I think that's most of it. That's most of what we were handed. Yeah. I, I, I was talking with Daniel the other day and just like, man, like life on this side in this place. And it's traumatic constantly. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so hard to like, let go of this stuff. Yeah. Especially like, I'm like, I built my whole life on this. Mm-hmm. Like I, every decision that I made was like based on this stuff. Yeah. And so like dealing with just the grief of what I've lost and don't have and how far behind, like just all that. Mm-hmm. And then the loss of, of relationship for me, like mm-hmm. just like family relationships, mm-hmm. just being like, you know, people who cannot let go of this right. and are so terrified for me yeah and i'm like get it but i don't i don't have that fear anymore like i literally (laughs) do not believe in a lot of this anymore Mm -hmm. and so it's just this constant like oh this is awful but it's also so beautiful Mm -hmm. to just be just have this freedom to just like yeah i don't know yeah and i don't think i have to know i don't think it's my job to know a lot of this like my job is just to be a a decent person yeah so i'm like i hope Whatever I'm doing, whatever's happening, I hope that the people who know me, who, you know, clown town, the people closest to me, 
if nothing else, I hope that, you know you can at least say, well, she hasn't become a worse person. Right? <laughs> I can I can co-sign on that. I don't think you've become the worst person. <laughs> so you know, so the slippery slope isn't isn't the danger you know we right. told it was. Like I haven't I haven't gone wild. I haven't gotten worse. Yeah. Like no. Like I feel I feel more responsible. Mm. I feel like more. Yeah, like I have to, I have to care more about the world mm-hmm. and the people in it. Like I don't get to just be like, oh, it's just the Christians, just about, the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, like, or also the the preferencing of Christians and their troubles, et cetera, as opposed to just whoever is in need in the world. Just the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the weight of the world. Oh, it's back, but it's yeah. It's awful all the time, but also wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I I struggle with that too. You're right. Like the grief and then grief comes in stages, right? It's not just stages, but like it's sporadic. You know, I think I'm mostly over like the anger phase of just being like, I can't believe I was in this bullshit for so long. I think I'm over that. And, And now you're like, you find stuff that you miss, you know, I'm just like, can I listen to the music still? Like, where am I with that? I don't know. <laughs> but I, I mean, you know, so I haven't even listened to gospel music, period. And I'm just like, I want to reclaim that. Like, I love, I love gospel music. I love, you know, I don't know. But I also, so yeah, so I want to reclaim that. But like, I miss, there are certain things that you're like, oh, I miss this, I miss that. I'm enjoying the freedom from obligation and feeling that I have to do something. Um, I'm enjoying sleeping in on Sundays. Oh <laughs> like goodness. actually feeling that I have a weekend. The free time the free is amazing. Time, yeah. Yeah. That's been really good. It feels like restful. Well, it is because it wasn't like, I think about it now and I'm like, Oh, it, it was all consuming and like that was purposeful. Like they had to keep us in this bubble, keep you with these people all the time. So I'm like, it wasn't just Sunday. I'm like, yeah, it's right. Sunday. And then for me, I'm writing connect group studies on Monday and then I'm in connect group on Tuesday. Yeah. And then you got creative on Thursday. And then if you go on to Friday, I'm like, there was something yeah. all the time. All the it's time. like, oh, we have to keep people, keep people in this cycle. Yeah. And so now it's like, oh, one block falls away. Well, if I'm not going on Sundays, giving up my connect group well, i'm definitely not doing this anymore mm-hmm. and your whole week suddenly opens up yeah you're like oh oh and now i have time for other things and other people mm-hmm. so it wasn't that yeah all my relationships were here but that's not because you know that's how god ordained it or these are necessarily the best right. people mm-hmm. these are just the people i was with all, all the, time. the time yeah that's true and now oh i can be with other people or this, the people who I got from that, now we can actually no. spend time together. Just being friends. Right. <laughs> Weather permitting. Weather permitting. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, the free time. That's Highly been recommend. lovely. That's been lovely. The rest, feeling restful. Yeah. What I What I'm struggling with is, what was comforting was this idea of purpose. Like, I still don't feel I should be a lawyer, but here we are. (laughs) But just before it was like, okay, eventually I'll get to my purpose. God has made a path, blah, blah, blah. 
you know, this thing will lead to this thing. And even if it's in this roundabout way, like I'll find the thing that's gonna make sense to me and make all of this make sense. And I'm struggling with if I still believe that, you know? And then if, if there isn't that, then what, you know? So that's been hard for me in the, over the past couple of months. Yeah. Where am I with that? Do I believe? Yeah, I believe in purpose. Mm. I think it, what I kind of lost and which has been good in a way, because mm -hmm. it's kind of fired me up. Like, I think I always had, yeah, this idea, oh, there's a plan, there's a purpose. And I don't know, I don't know what it is. I feel like I know some aspects of it, mm -hmm. but whatever it is, I'm definitely not doing it yet. And so nothing, nothing's going to happen to me. I can't really be hurt. Mm. I can't die because right. I haven't done whatever I'm supposed to do. Yeah. So now <laughs> I'm like, oh, life is random. Mm -hmm. I could, I could die at any time. Yeah. So I have stuff that I want to do. So I'm I just going to do it. it. Yeah. Because nothing, right. nothing is guaranteed. Yeah. And nobody's um, giving you permission to start that. That's another right. thing that I'm just like, but wait a second, you know? You give you, you give you permission. Per yeah. yeah. You, you give you permission, you get to do it. And we give you permission and we give each other permission all the time. Cause like I'll set out to do stuff, but like I get, I get shocked all the time mm -hmm. at like how, how you guys, how much you guys support me, how you support me and, and like how much, how much that affects me. Mm. So I'm, I mean, I'm, I'll do it. You know, right? I was, I was gonna do it anyway, but then it's like, oh, oh, maybe I really should do it. Yeah, people are waiting like, on you to do it, and people are waiting on you to do it. Yeah, and you don't. You might think you don't know what it is yet, but like you just—it's literally anything. Yeah, <laughs> like because everything starts so small and so random, and nothing ever goes the way you think it's gonna mm -hmm. go, but it goes, and it's like so good when it happens mm -hmm. and it's i don't know life is just it's like all we have for sure yeah so we just got to do shit yeah i feel like covid times definitely are it's like simplifying things in that way like you always wanted to do this like i did some of that like you always wanted to go back to the caribbean do it yeah do it experience it see what it's about yeah yeah and i think part of it is you know, that idea, oh, if there's a plan and if there's a purpose, and then if I wait and if God tells me, then I'm kind of like guaranteed that it'll go well. And so it's, I think a lot of Christianity was like not, not wanting to make mistakes, not wanting to fail, yeah. like wanting everything to just, just happen. Yeah. And so now to be like, yeah, I'm going to try some stuff and I'm going to fail a lot. And that's actually, it's okay. It's okay. Like I'm going to learn. Not feeling that pressure of it has to go right. It has to look good. Right. It has to be a good testimony. Right. <laughs> and stuff just does not go the way you thought it was going to go. Yeah. And a lot of times it's actually better. It's like, oh, I did not see that coming. Oh, I would have never learned this if I had not yeah. failed the way that I did. Right. Like, and it's not, failure is not bad. Like, it's not sin. It's not an, a proof that oh you're doing something right, wrong like, right this this didn't work out because it wasn't meant to be. no it just didn't work out because i didn't know enough yet yeah like that's gotta it learn like it we're learning to, yeah. to walk it doesn't mean this thing all this pressure that we put on ourselves yeah, yeah. 
So your purpose is whatever you want it to be, moment to moment. And it can change. It can change. I like that. I feel like that was the, or that it, it can be small. You know, I feel like in my head, it had to be this grand articulated mission that God is going to give you at the right time and all will be revealed, you know, or it's like, what are you thinking about right now? And just do it. Just do Even it. if it's like this small thing. Yeah. I like that. That's how it goes. I think today. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a journey. Oh, geez. It's a journey and we will get there. Yeah. So as we finish up, right, kind of in this vein, mm. because so much of deconstruction is about changing your mind mm -hmm. and being open to new things and, you know, new ways of thinking. So tell me something new. What is something good, hopeful, encouraging, or enjoyable that you have learned, realized, or discovered in the past year? Oh, geez. Hmm. Um, for me, it's, I can have difficult conversation, conversations and it'll be okay. I, if this is, if this is supposed to be a safe space for you, then you should be able to articulate how you're really feeling. And then if you can't do that, just, is that really a safe space for you? Is that a place that's looking out for your best interests that's two different thoughts but yeah <laughs> oh that's good yeah Ooh, a bigger thought kind of on top of that is that we deserve safe spaces mm. we should be able to have people in places where anything goes yeah like you can just be you be you we deserve that we deserve to be our fully expressive black girl self like yes yeah. you can enjoy when I see people doing that especially in like a corporate workspace where you've just come with your full self oh it's so beautiful it's so good to see and we des you're right we're des we deserve that why not why not us and we we deserve that I'm like yeah. the world doesn't even deserve that but they get it yeah you know just by chance but we deserve that yeah there's nothing like us. I love it. There's nothing and surround like yourself with people who get that. And learn to enjoy yourself. Yeah. And it is a learning, I feel like. Because you're in some spaces that tells you, mm, you're all right. You're okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you are all right. You are okay. But you're more than that. But you're more than that. Yeah. And that is that for now. It is crazy to realize how long ago 2016 and that black meeting with Carl Lentz was. And it's surreal to think about how much hope I had in that dum-dum. How much stock we all had to put in his opinions, his ideas, and his changes of heart because he held the keys, we thought, to our representation. But it was all a scam. Carl didn't have any of the knowledge or dedication required to be an actual ally. He loved to say Black Lives Matter, but hated to be asked to do anything to show it but we do matter, and it is wonderful to be able to acknowledge that and live like it without waiting for some insecure white man to co-sign it. 
Hillsong claims to champion women, but it doesn't, not really, and especially not black women. And that's their loss, because black women are what's up. I am on Instagram and Twitter at Josini, J-O-S-I-N-Y, which is supposed to stand for Joanna Simone New York. But then a lot of people end up calling me Josini, and I'm like, that's not my name. <laughs> but we'll go with Joanna Simone New York. So Josini, on most platforms. Some of them I didn't make the early, uh, early adopters, so. What else? What else? The Bad Book Club is underway, and I am having a great time with an awful, awful book that is The Bait of Satan. And I'm looking forward to dropping those episodes in November. So if you haven't joined the Patreon yet, start saving your pennies now, because most of those episodes are going to be a patron thing. Anyway, hey, the cat wants y'all to join the Patreon. So listen to the cat. I am Janice Legata, and this has been another episode of God Has Not Given. Thank you for joining me. If this has meant anything to you, sparked anything for you, or was just a general good time, please let the people know. Rate and review this podcast on Apple. Ask about me at God Has Not Given on the Gram. And if you'd like to support this podcast, support me as a person, Patreon, Venmo, and Cash App are all available options. So hit the show notes for all the links. Take care of you. Be well. And I will talk to you soon. I am in-